Fast First Point Guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richman. Listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Make it your first listen. Coming at you every single weekday, Monday through Friday. Make it your first listen. Each one of those days, tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. Today, a very fun episode. Joined by friend of the program, returning guest, beloved returning guest, some might say, Orlando Sanchez from KGW right here in Portland. Orlando, thanks for joining the program. How you doing? All is well. The madness has begun. Thanks for having me on, my man. No prob. I was, we're recording this, just a peek behind the curtain. We're recording this during the Duke Oral Roberts game, and I was ready to really puff my chest out, but then my beloved Golden Eagles have been struggling a little bit. I and the scoreboard here on the other screen, they're struggling, they'll struggle a little bit. So, yeah, we're not going to mention it. <laughs> Fair enough, man. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) fun time of year though. Um, I do love, I do love the mornings of Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament of just like nine fifteen on the West Coast. Basketball starts; it's on all day long. It is, um, it's really special. And like, I'm not a big college basketball guy. This is kind of when I tune in. Um, So, uh, yeah, I watch whatever eight and a half hours of basketball today. I got no problem with it. (laughs) Same dude, total casual and. When it comes around this time of the year, I'm, I'll lock in, check it out. And I mean, so far, it hasn't disappointed. You know, we made it yeah, a I've... few hours in and you can see the March Madness tweets going out that, you know, only 1% of the brackets are still perfect and only like five games have been played. It's an insanity. But I was standing up in, in the office here at uh, the KGW studios in Portland. And every time they can just hear me trying to, you know, hold it all in because I'm Oh, last second shot. Oh, you know, holding it in. So pretty fun right yeah, now. Yeah, I feel bad. I feel bad for my man Kihei Clark at Virginia, who played 118 college basketball games, and his last one ended real ended real poorly. Um, sorry, Kihei. Hmm. Somebody's got to lose. Uh, shout out to the Furman Paladins. A great win from uh, the Pride of South Carolina. Let's let's talk a little Trailblazers. Um, today show we're going to talk basically. There are the Blazers have they have more than just the five free agents we're going to talk about um, because shout out to Ryan Archidiacono, but they have free agents this summer that they have to make a decision on. Most of what's going to happen this summer, like big in the big world for the Blazers, are trades. Um, you can't really trade free agents. That's not how it works. There's some sign and trade magic you can do, but for the most part, this is just a decision of bring them back or let them go. So I want to run some names by you. We'll run through the five big ones and talk about whether what the Blazers should do with each of them. Let's let's start with Cameron Reddish. Should is Cam Reddish entering restricted free agency? The Blazers cannot can make him a restricted free agent with the ability to match any offer. They'll have his bird rights. They can go over the cap. Basically, if they want him, he's theirs. Orlando, should they keep Cameron Reddish? As soon as you said we were going to play this game. I'm like, oh, I'm so, I'm trying to be the, the good cop, not the bad cop. I'm hoping Mike will be the, the, the bad cop in, in all of these scenarios. But Uh-oh. I think right now Cam Reddish is in a tryout. I think mm-hmm. that's a large reason why we're seeing him get so much playing time and um, why he's getting so much run right now. And so I'm very curious to see how the next couple of weeks play out. Does Does he trend upwards? Does he trend downwards? Uh, you know, if we're if we're just basing it off of last game and what we thought we yeah. were going to get from him against the Knicks, um, that's that's not a good sign of what's to come for Cam Reddish. But you know, he fits the profile, the, the type of player that you want, and you're just hoping that he can develop into that dude that the Blazers need 
especially coming off the bench. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like kind of touched on, on my thoughts on as well. It's like the good Cam Reddish is really special. And then against the Knicks, he scores two points in 19 minutes and goes one for six on a night where they just needed his offense. They just, they really needed him to be, to be better there Um, with no, with no Jeremy Grant, he's coming off the bench. Um, You know, they've, they've entrusted him a lot of ball handling duties in part because nobody else on the team can dribble. Um, so that, that works out for him. Um, there's, there's just a limited number of dudes who can like dribble up the court and then make a couple decisions. They're, they're light on that skill set. Uh, and I think there's been nights where it's like, yeah, six foot eight with a handle can shoot a little bit length to be good on defense. You see it. And then there's nights like against the Knicks where I think Blazer fans were like, He's about to score. In fact, I I got an email from a friend. I'm not from a listener. I'm not gonna call him out, but I got an email from a listener. It was like calling it now, dude. He's scoring twenty, and I was like, all right. It's the perfect <laughs> didn't email story. Back. I didn't. Yeah, that's I didn't how it's supposed back. to be written, and it just hundred percent out that way at all. Yeah. So I think for where I land, I wonder what you do. Is like in a bench role, I'm probably comfortable bringing Cam Reddish back. If you need, if if it ends up being where he's a larger role for him, I would probably be more uncomfortable. I think that's the perfect way uh, to to put it because that's pretty much how I feel. I I want him to develop and be one of those guys that plays spot minutes that gives your starters a blow. But I don't want him, at least the player he is at this point, to be in that starting rotation right now. Yeah, I I, I mean he's twenty three. He's he obviously you players get better. Uh, it's just if they're trying to be really good, Cam Reddish is a bench guy. I also don't think it's like that um, big of a put down to be like, yeah, this dude should play 15 minutes off the bench on a good team. <laughs> like that's a, that's a pretty good role to have. Um, certainly a role he would have liked to have in New York and didn't. And so this is an opportunity for him to have it. I, I think, I think Cam has a big chance over these last 12, 13 games to show that he can be consistently productive. You know, it's small sample size, whatever, but if he's better than, if he has more good games than bad games in the last 12, I think it only helps his case. The other yeah, guy I want to ask you about, so go ahead. Far, his, his attitude too, man. I mean, oh, yeah. just his, his willingness to uh, learn from, from the vets on this team, specifically Dame, and he talked all about that when he first got here. So, I mean, there's a lot of likable characteristics that make you believe like this dude could could develop here. Absolutely. The other guy I want to ask you about is the other newcomer. Matisse Thibel came over from the Sixers. He also, same deal, entering restricted free agency. The Blazers will have his bird rights, which means they can go over the salary cap to sign him. He'll be a restricted free agent. They can match any offer if they want him on the team. He's theirs. There's not a lot of not a lot of gymnastics you have to do to keep him. What have been your impressions of Matisse? And do you think he's a returner or should be a returner next season? Dude, sign him yesterday. All right. He is, he is a dog. I love his game. Um, really excited to see him play. And I mean, he just, he checks the boxes. You need somebody to play defense at a level that, that he does. Uh, when you see him out there, I mean, even when the game was out of hand, he was going hard. I mean, there's like two minutes left in the game and he's diving for the ball, going after steals. Like what's not to, to like, at least on that end, and at a position where the Blazers just need defense. Yeah. Somebody to compliment Dame in that regard. So yes, keep this dude. I've been really impressed with him. He's, he's lived up to the hype uh, defensively and the shots are falling from him right now. You know, the, the three ball has, has not been a deterrent. So that's good. 
Yeah, he's 23 of 55 from three in 13 games for the Blazers. He's, that's 41.8%. He made 21 threes in 49 games for the Sixers. Mm. It's just a, t- a totally different thing. Um, I will say to... Uh, I'll be the I'll be the bad cop um, or or whatever. (laughs) Uh, I think um, my concern with him is is he is effective. He doesn't need the ball to be impactful, but the other team knows that and they Mm -hmm. don't guard him. And I think there is a point where, you know, he's he's shooting really well from three. And there's a there's reason to believe that he could continue to shoot something like above league average from three because he's only he basically only gets wide open ones um but they really don't guard him like if you watch where particularly when he's on the opposite side of the ball when he's on the weak side that his man is in the paint um and sometimes even early on like that his first game he had four threes against the lakers they weren't even guarding him on the strong side corner they were like shoot it like shoot shoot it we want you we you're the guy we want you to shoot like we watch damon ant like we know we're we're gonna if if we get to choose, we choose you every time down the court. I do worry that there is a breaking point with that. Um, that said, like Portland at this point needs to find impactful players who play on the defensive side of the ball. And, and Matisse Thibel is undeniably that. He's undeniably that. Um, he's, I, I would say I'm not as high on, on him as you are, uh, but I am still in favor of him being back on the team next season because he's like a he's a skill set you need and like the idea of this team is that if if they, you know they're going to make some trades or make some moves and they're going to have Damian Lord and and Jeremy Grant and some some additions blah 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 and like who knows the other folks are going to be on the team but like they're going to have some additions around that kind of is that even a core of two two gentlemen at least <laughs> two two gentlemen two gentlemen plus and Matisse Thibel fits that plan. Like he could play with those guys. And the idea is that you'll upgrade enough that Matisse Thibel isn't like on the court in the final three minutes on every single night. And that you, that he can be, you know, a part of a lot of big, good of a lot of your best lineups can include Matisse, but not every best lineup must include Matisse. And I think that's the best version um, of this team. But what, um, what if like, you, you said sign him yesterday. How quickly did you make that? How quickly did you make that determination? How quickly were you on board? Uh, I, uh, pretty quick. You know, I mean, your your um, argument is valid. And I think that's what a lot of 76ers fans um, have said and, and have been frustrated about to the point where they couldn't play him because you have to at least be a threat. And that's been an issue uh, for the Trailblazers, too, where they say, all right, we're going to put two or three guys at, at Dame and somebody's got to. We're, yeah. We'll let anybody else beat you on the court. And so Alfred Camino, right? It's like, yeah. it, it has shades of that, except that so, Matisse is a much better defender for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's, he's uh, knocking him down. So, I mean, I know in the NBA world, like stuff evens out. It, it will, it's, it, it is what it is. But um, if, if he can continue to knock down open shots, they'll be just fine with him. But yeah, I mean, it, it didn't take long for me to be like, nah, this is a dude. He fits, he fits what, what we are looking for, what we need um, defensively on a team that is so smelly defensively. <laughs> yeah, they, they, can, <laughs> they can have some, they can have some struggles. Okay. In the second segment, I want to ask you about a couple big guys, uh, potential uh, returners to the team this year along the Blazers front line. We're talking Drew Eubanks, the Shack of Troutdale and 
Justice Winslow, a legend from 2022, a player you remember from a previous calendar year. But before we do that, I want to tell my listeners about a little bit of hardware we're giving out. And we're giving it out to Damian Lamont, Ollie Lillard. That's right. Damian Lamont, Ollie Lillard played one game this week, but he was electric, brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful, some would say. And that's why he's the Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week. Brought to you by the all-new, all-electric Nissan Aria, the 2023 EV for folks who love to drive. Listen, Dame only played one game. <laughs> he only played one game. And they lost. But he had 38 points, 7 boards, 7 assists. He hit 8 three-pointers. He was perfectly the duality of fierceness and elegance beautiful but strong the perfect suv crossover some might say much like the 2023 nissan aria which packs pin to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one ev the all-new all-electric 2023 nissan aria the ev for people who love to drive shop now at nissanusa.com all right Still chatting here with Orlando Sanchez of KGW. We're still talking about who should stay and who should go with the Blazers' biggest free agents this summer. What do you think about Drew Eubanks? Should Drew Eubanks be back and part of the plan next year? He came back. You know, he signed a million 10 days, and then he came back, signed a a one-year deal, one-year minimum to return. Should Drew Eubanks be part of the plan next season? Oh man, he's been he's been so much fun uh, to follow and to see him earn his job that it's hard to root against him. Um, it just depends on on like we mentioned with Reddish how they're going to use Drew. Like if if he's your third guy, um, I think that would be fantastic uh, for him. And you know it's not going to cost much in the grand scheme of things. Um, to keep him. Seems like he's pretty happy here to have family and all of that good stuff around him. I love how hard he plays. He brings so much energy to the court that it's nice to have a dude like that in spots. So if you can, if he's not your, your starting center, um, you know, I'm, I'm feeling it. Yeah. I I think that's about right for where I'm at with, with Drew Eubanks. Like if you needed him to play 14 minutes a night, he'd give you really good 14 minutes. When that gets extended to 20, some of his limitations show up. He doesn't have a lot of offensive range. Um, he's not like a crazy rim protector. He's not an elite rebounder. Like he he plays hard as heck. He could block some shots, but he's not a he's not a great rim deterrent. Sometimes he gets a little block happy and chases a block when he maybe shouldn't. Um, you know, he's he has some skills, but when you when you play him 20 minutes, they show up. When you play him 30 minutes, like when he was the starting center for six weeks, it's like yeah, I don't think this dude's a starting center in the NBA, which isn't really his fault. Like, you don't sign a one-year minimum contract to be like, I should start in this league. Everybody wants to start. Everybody wants to play. I'm not suggesting that. But it's like, he he's a guy who should be playing less than half the game. And when he does play less than half the game, you get better minutes out of him. Um, they just, I, I kind of feel like they did him a, a somewhat of a disservice this year and giving him a big role because I feel like people are down on him because of the ask that he's had. Dude, you, you nailed it. That was perfect. That, that was exactly what I was going to say is it was kind of unfair to him to be in that position um, and, and forced to be like the guy and everyone saying, well, what's up, Drew? Why aren't you covering Joel Embiid or whoever it is? You know, I don't, that's not fair to him. Like that's not the player that he is and that's not, what his role is is supposed to be, but 
in in spots and he's just an entertain from an entertainment value when i'm watching um he's a lot of fun and so it would be great to have a player like him that you know you see come off the bench every now and then and, and contribute also for like selfish media reasons incredible interview great interview it's just it's really good <laughs> <laughs> that always matters in our world yeah he's really Selfishly. good he's really good and like the thing is this is a funny media thing it's like uh, when a guy's a really, it's like in the in the world, you might say a good talker is kind of the language in our in in my our world. Um, I'm not as much in the world anymore, but I'm coming back, baby. Um, <laughs> but uh, in our world, it's like a good talker. If you got a good talker who doesn't play, it's it's real tough for media types. It's like, well, I can't I can't even really go like I can't go and ask him like it'd be inappropriate if after the game I'm like, well, let's get Drew. He played four minutes, or like let's play let's get Drew. He hasn't played in two weeks, you know, like. Um, it's like it's like it would be it would be rude to his colleagues to be like we'll get Drew's opinion here. Um, so it's like I, I want him to come back and then I want him to have like a, I want him to have a role just just enough so you can still so the people can still uh, hear from the from the shack of Troutdale because um, you know he he he's he's a he's a really compelling he's a fun and compelling interview and I think he's um, whenever I've talked to him I'm like easy to root for this guy even if he's like should be the third a third string center on an NBA team. <laughs> make it happen mike make it happen we need those sound bites he's i know listen you live in the 15 yeah 15 crisp. second sound bite world that's perfect <laughs> it's honestly like drew on the exact same contract can be a third like it's like if you pay him another nba minimum on one year deal he could be a third string center. Like you're not going to overextend, literally bring him back at the exact same manner in which you did this season, except like have a more responsible team around him, like build the roster with a little more um, interest in competing. And you will, you will, um, you know, and, and you'll get more out of Drew. I, I think that's, that's for sure. Another guy we haven't seen in a while. I want to ask you about Justice Winslow. He got hurt like the week of Christmas and he has not played. And he's still listed as out uh, for Friday's game. You're listening to Friday, March 17th episode. The Blazers play the Boston Celtics this evening. If you're listening to it when this comes out, if you're listening to it a little bit later, uh, Just Winslow didn't play on Friday. Uh, he's he's out. Like, he's still not out. I think there's a very realistic chance he does not play again this year based on how it's gone. It was kind of good when he played with some flaws. Let's assume not like misses half the season but with the with the with the health risk that you understand are you interested in another year of justice winslow with the trailblazers i mean first and foremost i gotta say i think the man deserves his flowers a little bit uh, i don't know if we really appreciated what his game entails and what he meant to this particular team um because when he went down i just thought of it as a a, a footnote like a line that hey he got hurt um, he'll he'll be back. Um, but from a playmaking standpoint, uh, this team really could have used him. And um, I started to think about him as a as a player in that light the longer that he's been out. And um, I, I don't know about you, Mike, but I didn't think it was going to be as serious as as it has been with him. Yeah, and maybe that was just a tone. I I, I don't know, but. That, that kind of surprised me to see that he's been out this long, and that kind of gives me concerns going forward, even with what you said as a preface to this scenario in, in trying to keep him. Yeah, I mean, 
part of his deal is that he's had trouble staying on the court. Like that's just mm-hmm. a part of his, it, it's been, a, it's unfortunately has followed him his whole NBA career. It stinks. Like no, it, no one deserves that, that struggle, but it's been part of his whole NBA career is that he's had this trouble. Um, You know, the way he left the court in OKC, it was like, Ooh, that looks bad, but it was also an ankle sprain. So it's like, that looks bad means like six weeks, eight weeks, not f- three months, three plus mm-hmm. months. Like, um, uh, the, the Blazers were 17 and five, 17 and 15, excuse me, the night that uh, the night that uh, sweet justice got hurt. They're 14 and 23 cents. Uh, I mean, he's not the he's not the like he's not the reason that they're not good, but he's a reason for sure, because it, it's, it's so many things you mentioned the ball handling. Right. They just don't have that many dudes who can dribble. They don't have many. They don't have that many gentlemen who can get them organized. Um, Shaden Sharp can't do that. Uh, Nazir Little can't do that. Like you, the guys who are going to fill in his minutes, you know, Jabari Walker can't, cannot do that. Uh, obviously, the big guys, the other big guys, uh, like Drew, is not. That's not a skill set. Even to some extent, like he was better at it than Josh Hart was when Josh was still around. Uh, but Matisse isn't really doing that. They're they're asking Cam Reddish to do, it and he's better. And so, so the, the ball handling that secondary playmaking, just to like get the ducks in a row type stuff, they really miss from justice. They also just haven't been able to go small the same way. The small that they wanted to go this year, which was like justice Winslow strong as heck on the, on the opening night of the season, justice Winslow guarded, guarded Domas Sabonis on the block. That's one of the strongest dudes in the league. That's a big ask. They don't have they don't have another six six dude who can let them go small and play funky and then also like go on the other end and like really guard down low. So their flavor of small, like the small ball that they play, is not as good. Um, Justice Winslow is not like the reason that the season has has gone this way. But like you said, it's worth circling to say this is the point where it really got murky. Maybe we underappreciated what <laughs> Justice Winslow meant to the team. It, it's funny you mentioned the the Kings game and, and uh, him guarding Sabonis because that comes up in, internally here at the station quite a few times, especially with my photographer, Corey, who covers a lot of these games for us. And he's like, dude, he was muscling up Sabonis in the paint. He's like, did you know that Winslow was that dude? And I said, nah, man, but that's the kind of player the Blazers need. But yeah, I'm, I'm, nervous. I'm nervous about the injuries, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say if you if you they know better than us, right? Like they're privy to the to medical information. <laughs> I will say talking about the Blazers and medical information, a little dicey this year. Um, who knows what they know, I guess, or what they'll share with anyone. Um, I know I know one team feels like they maybe undershared a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, I know people people are more upset about that than I am. I just think it's like if uh, just one of those weird NBA beefs. Um, I'm not I'm not too upset about it, but like they know more than us. So I feel like the Blazers are probably they'll, their decision will be heavily influenced by what they think his body can do because like it's an unfortunate part of the NBA. If you can't play teams can't invest in you. Um, I think justice Winslow at his, if, if you got 75 games of justice Winslow, darn useful bench player, darn useful bench player. If you get 42, 39, not as good. And that's even with, he was struggling on offense. He is, could not shoot the ball, but what he does has some value. And I think we've, we've definitely seen it. 
Uh, let's we've saved the 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 biggest and brightest one for last. Let's talk about Jeremy Grant to close the show and what the Blazers should do with his impending free agency. But first, I want to tell my listeners that today's episode, this very episode, is brought to you by Better Help. Listen, uh, getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. And therapy can be a way to get to know yourself as you change. Uh, therapy can help if you have a acute traumatic moment and you say, listen, I've experienced a ton of trauma in my life at this moment. I'm going to get into therapy and help. Absolutely, it is a great time to pursue therapy. But just regular everyday life maintenance therapy can be the sort of key to making your life easier and better because you can learn more about what you need through regular therapy sessions uh, if you're thinking about starting therapy why not give better help a try it's entirely online designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. Still a pass, first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked On Blazer. Still chatting here with Orlando Sanchez, KGW here in Portland. What do they do with Jeremy Grant? <laughs> this is tough, man. What do they do with him, uh, dude? It's gonna it's gonna be uh, pretty expensive, don't you think? The price. I mean, they've they've offered him according. You know, he told Jason Quick of the Athletic. He's on the record talking about it. It was reported like sources say, and then Jeremy himself said they've offered him the four four year, hundred and twelve million dollar max extension, and he has declined to turn it down. You got to think that's where it starts. Four for one twelve, which is. Not a small amount of money. Not a small amount of money. <laughs> so it's like I don't I don't really know what they do. It's it, you know, it's average annual value of 28 million, but like the way NBA contracts work, it'd probably be like 25 and a half, 26 and a half, 28 and a half, 29 and a half. Like that's that's like typically that's not exactly how the raises structure work. Like don't some people who listen to the show know the CBA better than me. So Sorry, but like that's <laughs> roughly what it would be. Average annual value twenty eight million. I think that's like the starting point. Is that too much for you? From from in your eyes, we're thinking long and hard. That's for sure. Um, but at at his position, um, at his size, what he does, I lean yes. Um, you know, I, I wish the production was a little bit more. Um, I wish the production was there in in timely moments this season when when Dame has needed that that second guy to to step up. Um, but there's no doubt that that he's he's the right fit for this team, the right type of player that you want with the Blazers. So I lean yes on this one. I think I think. Yes is the only answer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think they have backed themselves into a position where they pretty much got to pay Jeremy Grant regardless. Listen, if you are a long-time listener of the program, you know that one of the things we try to do here is a little bit of just um, media literacy. 
I know that it was when it was reported that it was reported that Jeremy Grant's max contract he is eligible for is five years, $235 million. No one is paying Jeremy Grant that money. You do not need to worry about that. That's not happening. Jeremy, no one, no one's giving Jeremy Grant $40 million, but the Blazers might have to give him 33. I'm talking average annual value for a contract. That's a, that's a lot of money. But if you let him walk, you lost him for nothing. You don't get anything back. You don't get magic cap room. You're not going to have cap space. It doesn't, Jeremy Grant doesn't, um, the way they're, the rest of the salaries work, they're not going to have magical cap space if Jeremy Grant walks. Uh, they're not going to be able to sign a player of his caliber. So you're basically choosing Jeremy Grant or no Jeremy Grant. Not Jeremy Grant and other stuff. It's just Jeremy Grant or no Jeremy Grant. And this is like what John Hollinger of The Athletic has called the bird rights trap. When you didn't trade him at the trade deadline, you kept him on the team, you have his bird rights, which means you can go over the salary cap to sign him. You are trapped into giving him a fat contract. Shout out to my man, Norman Powell. Um, <laughs> it's it, it just is what it is. Like, um, they got to do it. You hit on my biggest concern. Jeremy Grant, It anecdotally, seems like when they've needed him to deliver in the biggest moments... He hasn't, he hasn't been there. There's been nights where it's just like, okay, eight minutes to go. They're up six. D you know, Dame is getting absolutely mobbed. They need Jeremy Grant to make two shots. And it feels like he hasn't hit it. I looked this up the other night. Jeremy Grant has been really consistent scoring in fourth quarters all year long. It hasn't taken a dip. He has, he has basically stayed right, right at his, his, um, you know, he's, he's pretty, pretty darn solid between six and eight points all year long in the fourth quarters. His shooting hasn't particularly dipped in the second half of games, but boy, does it feel like boy, does it feel like when the game's on the line, Jeremy has had some moments where it's just like, Hey, where, where's JG? Hmm. <laughs> um, is there, what was there a moment where your opinion changed? Not like a, you don't have to like pinpoint a moment. I'm not asking you to give me that, but like, were you higher on Jeremy Grant earlier in the season? I was, I was, yeah, no, no hesitation. Um, it, as the year went along, I just think that there are those moments late in the game where it weighs more than what you're actually seeing on the stat sheet. And yep. so though, and, and I think part of that is the history of this team going back to the playoffs and the Pelicans and let's trap Dame, let's blitz him, let's put three guys on him and make somebody else beat you. You mentioned, yeah. you know, the Al Farouk Aminu days. All of that stuff is stored back here. And so when somebody's open for a corner three or someone is is open, they need to knock it down in crunch time. And, and that that's part of Jeremy's role, especially when Anthony wasn't here and when he was hurt. Um, that more than any becomes his role and why why it's so difficult to be a closer in this league why it's so difficult to have the ball in your hands uh when the game's on the line but those are the ones that are under a microscope and i think as the year has gone along there's been a couple of those games where i think back and i say man if he would have just hit that shot i think that it would have turned the game around maybe they won it and and at a time when you know the west was really tight and, and really close you're thinking if they beat new orleans if they beat you know, insert team that's also in the hunt. It's it's a different story if yeah. they were, in fact, going for the playoffs, that is. Uh, they were at one point. <laughs> <laughs> they were. I don't they think, were. In some ways, they still are. Um, they're just, they just didn't really commit to it from an organizational standpoint. They may be committed in the other, the other direction. Um, like, you know, <laughs> they... <laughs> 
see they, what happens, you know? Let's, yeah. let's put out these guys and see something special or here we are. Or maybe, yeah, exactly. Or maybe it goes the other way. Yeah, I think that game in New Orleans um, where they ended up losing, Jeremy had 28, but he missed two mm-hmm. shots down the stretch where it's just like, dang, dang. Yeah. If, he hits those, you, if he hits those, you probably win the game. Like, or at least you have uh, a much better chance of winning the game, right? Like you have a much better chance and he missed two open threes. It's like, a yeah, great game. Great game. It's hard to fault a dude who had 28, uh, you know, like he, he, what do you have that night? He was, he was five of nine from three. So it's like, yeah, I wanted him to go seven of nine. That's, mm-hmm. a, that is an unfair ask, right? It like really that is, is. an, un, I, I told, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's reasonable, but it's like those moments he got open shots down the stretch of a game when they were going after Dame and he misses it. And it's like, all right, well, well, sadly, that's, I guess. that's what we're yeah. going to remember. I mean, you know, you, you'll look back at the stats and whatnot and say, man, he did have a good game, but uh, <laughs> those hurt. <laughs> those are worth two or three. Exactly. And and I think the stretch you mentioned when, when, when Ant was out and Jeremy Grant was going to be running the second unit and he just, the, the offense just kind of sputtered with him. And it was like, okay, yeah, maybe giving this dude $36 million a year is, is going to hurt. And I still think it might, but I maintain you have to pay him. You have the Blazers are not um, no. T- you can't. T- this is not a time to talk tough. This is a time to pay the good players you have on your team with their flaws, and then try to figure it out. Man, um, even the the from an optic standpoint of what did you give up to get him? Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, they 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 have to. They have to. I it's like I think there's it is a fun debate with people like me and you. It's not our money. And it's never going to be our money. And, and like, and we can nitpick and say like, oh, I wouldn't do this. That's overpay and all that. And it's like, it's not, it's like, whatever. It's not a debate internally. They can't have it. They just have to do it. They have to, you know, they have to, they have to sit down with his agent and they have to get his signature on a piece of paper. And then if there's issues down the line, because yeah, paying Jeremy Grant at 34 years old, something like $38 million, if that's what it ends up being, that's probably going to, that's probably going to be bad. <laughs> that's, that's probably going to be a bad value contract, but you got to, that's a problem that the future Blazers will have to just, they'll have to know that they're signing up for it because in the immediate term, they can't afford to lose him. Yeah. And, and he's a really good player. Like let's yeah, that's, not... that's the key. <laughs> that's the key is that he's also good and they need him yeah. and they need his position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely more yeah. on the help Damian Lillard timeline. That's for sure. Yeah. He is not a teenager. Um, he's not a promising teenager. He's a he. Uh, I believe he turned 29 this week. Happy birthday, Jeremy Grant. Uh, we'll leave it on that. We'll leave it on a happy birthday, right? Yeah, there we'll we go. Let's yeah, find some joy again, Mike. Let's yeah. find some joy. Listen, I I think um, I think this summer will be really really intriguing and fun and interesting for this team. I think the last two weeks, three weeks, whatever we're at, with about a, three weeks left in the season, it's like. It could be a slog. It could be a slog. So I am trying to to focus the show a little deeper, a little deeper down the horizon because I think I do think the offseason is going to be fascinating. Um, I just think that they've got to a point where the regular season is kind of has is kind of reached bummer territory. And I don't I want less bummers. You know me. <laughs> Facts, man. But I, I do agree with you. And I think this show is is going to be pretty money during the offseason. I think you're you're going to be busy. Um you know, I've been trying hard not to hype up this offseason, but right. gosh, does it not feel like it all comes down to this? Like, yeah, they got they narrowed this road. They are yeah. on the they are on the narrowest road where it's like, 
I was uh, I was talking with a friend. It's like kind of feels like June and July of 2023 will define what happens with this with with like the Damian Lillard era, you know, um, mm -hmm. because if, if you know, if it doesn't go the way they, they need it and want it to go then the Damian Lillard era will remember of a guy who was a prolific scorer who didn't always have a roster that fit around him and put up crazy numbers on a team that was kind of meh for a long time. If they get it right, it changes the trajectory so much and it it changes everything you remember about him. Like it, it, it's, it is going to be fascinating. I'm so, I'm really super excited because it's, it's coming and uh, guess what? We'll talk about it here. It's what we do five days a week. Uh, Orlando, Thanks so much for joining the program. I truly, truly appreciate it. Always, man. Thanks for the invite. Always a good time to talk, Mike. Listeners, come back next week. We'll keep doing it. Five more episodes. Blazers play a couple games over the weekend. So look for Sunday show to talk about both of them. Starting with Boston on Friday night. Should be a good one. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.